You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Here in studio alongside Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell, I'm Dave Griffiths. Glad to have you along. Um, we have 17 days, guys. Less than three weeks until the Colts kick off September 11th in Houston against the Texans. We are counting down the days. Today, as we tape this podcast on Thursday, was the last day of training camp in Westfield. And the Colts will take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers inside Lucas Oil Stadium Saturday night, 7.30 kickoff. You can watch that locally on CBS4 here in central Indiana. The first two games were on Fox 59. This one will be on CBS4. And pregame with us at 7 p.m. Saturday evening, also on CBS4 with the Colts Blue Zone pregame show. Guys, a whole heck of a lot went on this week, uh, and, and not entirely in the good variety. Uh, we open up with the news of the week. That is punter Rigoberto Sanchez suffered a torn Achilles tendon in his kicking leg, and it happened while he was one, running sprints with the entire team at the end of practice. This is, of course, a, a, as all things do in today's era or age, uh, ignited a firestorm of Many, many different ways, chap, that we can direct this conversation from should punters run sprints to how valuable is Rigo. Um, but, but we begin with the fact that just in general, the Colts are getting rid of a guy who has been a very valuable piece of the special teams unit. You can certainly the debate the value of an elite punter on your squad as opposed to an elite wide receiver, for example. But nevertheless, you, you cannot deny that Rigoberto has had an impact on this team for the better over the last five years of his career, six years, however long he's been in the league. Now, I think it's five years. Yeah, it, yeah. And, and whenever Frank Reich talks about things, it's like the hidden yardage. And that's the yardage you gain on, on field position, on kickoffs. You know, one thing, he, he, he's outstanding at, at, at touchbacks on kickoffs, but more so when you've got a good coverage unit like the Colts have ha- had, they'll kick to the two-yard line and tackle you at the eighteen. Well, there's seven yards, and you think that's not a big deal, but look at the stats, and it is. You're saving a first down, and I'm not sure there's many punters better at directional punting and, and pinning teams inside the the five. And, and again, a lot of that's on your coverage team, but it's also on your kicker, mm-hmm. on your punter. So, and oh, by the way, he's your holder too. So this this is that three-way guy. They bring in Mike or Matt Hawk, Hawk. Tell me how you get hawk out of that hawk spelling, but H- I don't, yeah. I don't know. But you know, it, it's it's like we talked to Bubba Ventrone, and he says, you know, we're not going to replace him. We're going to bring somebody in, but you don't replace what you lose. This is it, it, it's funny how too many people devalue the kicking game, kickers and punters, and 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 then you need one. I, I go back to the all time kick game when the Colts lost to San Diego in the playoffs, and was it Cyphers, Mike Cyphers? Killed them. Just killed them by dropping the ball inside the three-yard line like a dozen times. <laughs> so th- th- this will be a loss. And I'm not going to say it's going to cost my game at some point during the season. I, that That's extreme. But it, it's a big loss. One thing that I found surprising, and it, I guess it just hit me, is when they made the roster move to bring Hawk on, why didn't they put Rigo on IR? I, I, I don't understand that. They, they cut Jake Verite as opposed to putting Rigo on IR. Now, if you put him on IR now, he's done for the season, but this is an Achilles. So you would, I mean, 
you know, you would think he'd be done for the season. Well, do you, do, I mean, in your hope of hopes, do you are you are you thinking? Well, maybe if we make the, the push into the playoffs and and we and he's ready to come back in in late January. I, I don't know. It, it may be making too much out of whatever, and maybe he's going to be on IR on the final cuts. It, it seems hard to me to believe they're going to carry him on the 53 on Tuesday and then put him on IR so that he can come back. Right. But that that's just, that's minutia. But they will miss it. And then, again, the, the other good news is that Quiddy Pay is okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, a bone bruise, but that could have been a lot worse. When we saw it happen on Wednesday, it looked worse. So it's bad news and semi-good news out of camp. At least a little bit better news with Quinn right. Pay. Back, back, back to Sanchez, Joe. Um, I, I, Chap touched on it that along with being the punter, he's your kickoff specialist. He's your holder for field goals. There's a whole lot that he has done in the special teams game. And the Colts have been known over the past decade of being an elite special team squad. This year, there was really a bit of a transition there because they let go of a couple guys like uh, a Matt Adams, who has been a uh, stalwart of special teams for a couple of years, a George Odom, who's been a special team stalwart Gordon for the past couple of years, Jordan Glasgow. Like they were bringing in young guys to be really the next wave of this young special teams crop. You have to rely in those situations on your leaders, on guys who have been here for a while, on guys like Sanchez. Now you have to break in an entirely new punter and holder and kickoff specialist to this. Sure, Hot Rod has kicked off in the past, and uh, Bubba has said that he's done better at it, but also added there's a reason that Rigo was doing it is because he was the best one on the team. So now you're throwing in just a little bit. Uh, you, you just lose some of your leadership in a year that you were trying to bring along some young guys to bring everyone else up to that level that he was. It just brings everything else down a little bit just in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and I, I don't think Sanchez has received like the national recognition with like a Pro Bowl or anything. But since 2017, he's been Pro Football Focus's fifth highest graded punter. Like he's been a really, really high end punter for this team. And like Mike talked about the hidden yards, how many games come down to one score? Most of them. And so every little bit of advantage you can get um, is something that the Colts have lost with this injury. Matt Hawk, thank you for telling me before the show. It's, it's what we're here for. I'd yeah. rather have a hawk than a hack. But um, <laughs> wouldn't we all? Especially your punter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's not a bad punter. I mean, he's been in the league just as long as Sanchez. Um, punted for the Bills and four years prior to that for Miami. Um, I kind of compared a lot of their statistics, and they're pretty similar on most things. The biggest difference is uh, Hawk, a lot more of his punts fall into the end zone than Sanchez, who's just so good at getting it inside inside the 20 there. But um, they're definitely going to miss Sanchez. The one positive spin I'll put on this, not to kind of disrespect Sanchez or what he's done, he's excellent, it's a huge loss. But if I was going to pick one position to lose my starter for probably the year, it might be punter. I understand that completely. Like, I completely get it. And... Like, if you're going to tell me it's August 25th and the you're Colts lose have lost one of your starters. a punter and a third-string tight end to this right. point, I'll take that. Yeah, I hear you. Because, like, because also because of just the situation they're in, they can go out and they can get Matt Hawk, who is just cut, who is a veteran. Just and cut Monday. Exactly. Uh, for, uh, for the punt god, the punt god. <laughs> over there in Buffalo, the rookie coming in. Who's it's hard had, to compete with a rookie exactly. taking 80-yard punts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's, who's a lot cheaper than you are, probably, or at least uh, a little bit cheaper than you are. Um, but, 
Yeah, I, Joe, you touched on it, just the touchback difference. Yeah, their average is very similar. Their number of punts down inside the 20 is similar. Uh, Hawk has almost doubled the number of touchbacks Sanchez has punted. Sanchez has six over the last three years. Hawk has 11. And like you said, Rigo has just been really good at keeping the ball down inside uh, inside the 20. And, of course, when you have gunners like Ashton Doolin or George Odom on the other side, especially Doolin, who's been exceptional at that in recent years, and I don't know if he's going to have that same role this year because they're going to ask more of him on the offensive end uh, of things, um, that it, it, it will be different. I, I, I've, I'm thinking, um, I don't know if you guys remember, but a couple years ago when it was a late-season game against the Giants and Rigo just downed it inside the five, and there was a guy, Chris Milton, I believe, was the corner who made the play to keep it there. And then the Giants were stopped. The, they had to punt it away, and the Colts were able to drive and kick uh, and make the touchdown. Like that play helped really help them win the game. So, chap, like you say, you're not going to go as far as to say that losing Rigo will cost the Colts a game at this point in the season. I'm not going to go that far either and say it definitely will, but the possibility is there that it absolutely does. You know, so um, so we'll just have to watch for this year to see exactly how much of an impact this is. But you can't just toss it away and say there will certainly be no impact because it's just the punter and you bring a guy out who's bagging groceries at Wegmans and you'll be fine. It just puts more pressure on the defense and offense to execute. And, the, yes. you know, the special teams yes. kind of gave you that extra boost, that extra bonus, or could swing in the opposite direction. It means you have to do more. The offense and the defense will probably have to do more now this year because of Sanchez's injury. Chap, you mentioned Quiddy Pay uh, went down with an injury on Wednesday. And it happened right in front of all of us. It was 11 on 11 drills. So unlike the Sanchez injury, which happened like at the end of practice on the far field and all the writers, we were all walking back down to, to get ready for, for interviews with, uh, with players and coaches after. So I mean, like nobody saw it. Everyone saw what happened to Quiddy Pay. Um, just an 11 on 11 drills right at the beginning of a play. Basically, he goes down grabbing his uh, left knee and uh, it did not look good. He was down for a little while. But he was able to get up, walk off on his own power, albeit gingerly. We learned today it's a bone bruise for Quiddy Play. Certainly not as serious as it initially you could have thought it was. Um, but nevertheless, chap, he's not going to play in the uh, preseason finale. And uh, optimism that he will be out there week one, uh, which is, like I said, infinitely better than, than it looked uh, in the first 15 seconds of uh, the immediate aftermath of what happened. Yeah, he's got, he's got two weeks to get himself right and 17 days like i just said right right so, so it, 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 it's, it's funny when you when you see these injuries you, you sort of from having seen him so many times you sort of get a gauge and it didn't look good because he stayed down players don't stay down they just don't and and it was a little more encouraging when he walked off he limped yeah. he limped off right and even more encouraging when he didn't go into the locker room. He stayed on the sidelines. He stayed on the yes. sidelines. They, they put they put a wrap on it, and if it, if it's significant, they, they, teams know. Mm -hmm. You just know. There's so much that you can do before imaging these days that right. give you a good idea. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like when when Rigo had the Achilles. You know, I mean, how, t tell me the last time you heard somebody had an Achilles and no, oh, the MRI is fine. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, same but with the, uh, Drew Ogletree with the ACL. Correct, and, and right that away. looked bad, and and they had to help him off. Yeah, so it looked good, and, and uh, so I think things are certainly progressing to to where he's he's probably on target to play the opener. We'll see, but he was at practice today, and standing there, standing around, there's he had a sleeve on his left leg, but mm -hmm. if if it is significant, 
you're not around. We've seen more of Quiddy Pay than we have Dennis Kelly's he post injury. He was out there. Oh, hey, proof of life. There we go. At I long kept last, I see. I, I find one one day I'm finally not out of practice. I, 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 I kept telling him. I said I need proof of life, and there's 73 now. Unless they switch jerseys, because I almost tweeted out that it was encouraging to see Isaiah Rogers out there practicing because he was in concussion protocol. Right. Well, he was out there. Well, his jersey was Tony Brown put his jersey on. Just so I almost, I almost had the mistake. One, one guy did, but uh, no. But with, with Quiddy, it, it was it's encouraging to see, and and to me the signs are that he that he'll be ready to play. Yeah, easy for me to say, but it's we had talked maybe even in the last week to where this had been a very uneventful camp injury wise, and boy, all of a sudden it was boom, 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 Ogletree, mm-hmm. Rigo, and then Quiddy. So uh, they still came out of camp relatively healthy. Mm-hmm. I still, I, I still want to see Shaq Leonard practice. That'd be nice. A- until I do, I'm concerned. But by and large, it was it was an uneventful camp, which is a good thing. A couple of roster moves that the Colts have made. They needed to cut down their rosters a few more at the start of this week. Um, DJ Montgomery, Kavion Patton, Alex Millette, CJ Verdell no longer on the team. And then, uh, as also uh, Chap alluded to earlier, Jake Verity, the kicker, has been waived. He was waived to make room for Matt Hawk uh, on the roster. So, Joe? Hot Rod. That's right. <laughs> Rod Rigo Blankenship will be the Colts kicker yet again. He's had a pretty good training camp, but, Chap, that hasn't been his problem in the past. Yeah, he was perfect last year in camp. Yeah. So, <laughs> at this point, like you're happy that he's kicked well in camp. And and you're happy that earlier this week they had an end of game scenario and he hit three of three of four and I think two or three two of them, three of them were, were beyond fifty like fifty four like, and fifty six I think like you're happy but it it doesn't matter right now it just doesn't matter for him because I, he's done this before and then you get to the season and he can't hit from over fifty consistently I, I, I wish I wish I had a a better feeling and I just don't I'm just I'm nervous. Doesn't this feel like a kind of a make or break year for Hot Rod in the Colts? Probably. Like if he if he really steps up and establishes himself, right? Which is what you want. That's which is what you want. But if he has another year like last year, the year prior, where it's kind of iffy on those long kicks, you got to think they go into the off season trying to find someone well, else. They, but they did this off season with Verte. I mean, I realize yeah. he had he had no resume other than kicking behind Justin Tucker. But yeah, that that's you've got so many issues. To deal with in, in building your roster and all this. And the last thing you want to do is worry about your kicker. You, your punter and your kicker. So I, I, I wish I felt more at ease. I don't, and I won't until he shows it in regular season. You know, keep in mind, again, he's eighty. He's an 83% kicker in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he's not very good. For, he has not been good from distance. So, it's but it's, it's his now. We'll see how he responds to it. Yep. Uh, I, I, I looked this up, actually, recently. I went back the last 10 years and just looked at the uh, the kickers on Super Bowl winning teams and just looked at their percentages, what they because uh, I was curious since obviously kickers been been a big deal for for the Colts this preseason. Um, and over the last 10 years, the average when you lump them all together uh, is an 86 percent field goal kicker make. And, and this doesn't include. Like what? What Rigo's problem? Not Rigo. Sorry, Hot Rod's problem has been, which is like forty-five or higher. I just did in general. I didn't dig into the minutia too much about the long field goals, which I think if you looked into all these guys, they would have better averages beyond forty-five yards than than Rodrigo has had. But 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 just overall, it's about eighty-six percent. And Rodrigo's first year, his rookie year, 
he was right around there. I think he was 85 or 86%. So, like, last year, he took a serious step back to about 78% from uh, which kicking is not field good goals, enough. which is not good, no. And like it, when you go beyond, actually, 11, 12 years ago, you finally hit guys when the New York Giants won the Super Bowl. Lawrence Times was their kicker. He hit 79%. 12 years ago was uh, Mason Crosby, who had a really bad year that year with the Packers, if you all remember, when he hit 78% of his field goals. But since then, uh, the, the, the lowest has been uh, Jake Elliott, was a rookie with the Eagles. Uh, he hit uh, 84% of his field goals. That's the lowest over the last 10 years. And the best was uh, Stephen Guskowski one year hit uh, nearly 90, 95% of his field goals. If, if you're going to make a deep run, yeah. you're going to have that field goal yes. late. We go back to McPherson last year. Oh, geez. That, that's why the Bengals made the Super Bowl. Yep. He was, was it 11 or 13 from 50? From 50. Ludicrous. That's crazy. Great numbers. Uh, and, and that was something of an aberration. But I go back to, I realize he may be the best kicker of all time, but Vinatieri, the Colts Super Bowl season, they beat Baltimore 15 to 6. Yeah. That's, that's five field goals. So you're, by and large, you go to look at teams and mm-hmm. they, they won a game. Because of their their, mm-hmm. their field goal kicker. Mm-hmm. The Colts lost to Buffalo two years ago, and Hot Rod misses a 33-yarder. Now, it was early in the third quarter, so who knows? But that's in a three-point game, it, you, you, you've got you've to make your clutch kicks. You just have to. The Colts on Tuesday will cut the roster down to 53. It is a big cut. I believe it's at 81 right now with the, uh, the extra one for the uh, international exemption with uh, Marcel Dabo. Um, we got any bold takes? on who is going to make the roster, who doesn't. I know, Chap, you're going to have some work coming out later uh, this week about, or uh, maybe even, even for our Blue Zone pregame show, about some uh, some some guys on the bubble there. So a- any uh, any guys who are in particular watching in this final preseason game whose uh, futures with the Colts might be on the line? Ben Banigou. We, we had this discussion last this year. This is a re- repeat over and over again. Uh, Same guy. And, and, yeah, I think there's three or four guys. And then I think what's interesting is to look at Des Patman and Mike Strawn. I think they keep six. I think I think it's going to be six wide outs and three tight ends with, with Ogletree going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then and then everybody's flavor of the month is Sam Ellinger. Uh, we were talking in the press room because sometimes we get bored. And the question is—it's always it, dangerous when we start it, talking it, it in the is, press room. It is, <laughs> it is. But it, it, do do you keep him on fifty-three, or uh, do they value him? They they do they do value Sam, or do you do you expose him to waivers and put him on your practice squad? And exposing him to waivers means he's a free agent. So I tend to think they they value him, but not with a roster spot to make sure you don't lose him. I I just. I just don't see how, with every roster spot being valuable, how you carry a third kicker or a third quarterback who who you know isn't going to play, right? Barring the unforeseen. But and one thing we need to keep in mind, and it's easy to forget, is that with the sixteen-player practice squad, it's a different animal now. It's it's almost like a sixty-nine-man roster because mm-hmm. you can call up players. I think it's I think it's is it three players on game day, two or three get players on game day. Right. You can protect four mm-hmm. starting on Tuesday. So, you know, like the Michael Harris, if, if you look at him as your as your kick returner, if you don't want to expose Isaiah Rodgers, I think it's safe to say you can put 
Harris on the practice squad and then elevate him for game day. But with Ellinger, do, do, do you do you think you can do that, or will somebody claim him? Does, does a team out there believe it's he, he could be a viable backup? I don't know that another team takes him as a developmental guy. So he, he to me, he's the most interesting one. And then the two receivers, I think they both make the roster. But there will be some tough decisions. Yeah, we'll, go ahead, Joe. Do you think the Colts could trade Ellinger and get, get anything for him? So. I don't think they want to do that. Like, I don't think they want to get rid of him. I think they want him to be their backup for I'll, for I'll a take long the time. other approach. What are you going to get for him? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, and this like, is who's going to give you something to make him their backup quarterback? Because right. they're not, nobody, no other team is going to trade for a number three quarterback. I, I, I think, think, I just think that locally we have a tendency to over, overvalue guys. You know, I, I'll mention his name, Swag. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chad Kelly had, he had the buzz about him in, in preseason, and, and Sam is, is much more of an accomplished quarterback. Yes. He is. I just don't know that there's trade value. I, so, but but again, are, is there a team just saying, hey, if, if the Colts dump this guy, he's better than what we've got? And that might be the case. It's possible. Um, it, like, for another team to, to make Ellinger their back, they, they wouldn't sign him to be a third quarterback, I wouldn't think. They would That's sign Ellinger you, you to be a backup you, you don't sign him to be, in two years he might be, because even, even Sam told us, when there was the, 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 the hubbub about, is, is he going to beat out Nick Foles? No. Yeah, no. Uh, but, even, no. but even Sam said after working with uh, Tom House, he views this as a, as a that was a two-year program. And, yeah. and he looked at it his first three years as a learning process. So he knows. Because keep in mind, Ryan signed for two years and Nick Foles has signed for two years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, but again, I, I think these guys truly value Sam, I really do. And they think that he's got the chance to develop into a viable backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't know, to me, if that translates into a spot on the 53. Yeah, I, I think the, the decisions to get down to 53, um, some offensive line and defensive line choices are going to be really intriguing. With offensive line, I don't think you have a wealth of guys that you want to keep. That, that's that's. I, the I thing. can't find nine to say, boy, eight no. and nine, I really need Exactly. That. I think that you might stick at eight, even though they've kept ten in the past, just because there isn't enough depth there to be like, hey, this guy deserves a spot. Like, you'll, you'll have two backup tackles probably in Ryman and Kelly, and then you'll have Will Fries in the middle. And, and then after who? that, uh, and then who? Like, do you really want to keep French as a backup center? Well, you really don't need to because Danny Pinner can slide over there. Um, then you'll lose your French fries. Well, it's, it's unfortunate it's not going <laughs> to not going to be there. But I, like seriously, I don't think anybody else is worthy of a roster spot. So if you only it, keep it, eight it, offensive it, linemen, that opens up some spots elsewhere. But maybe you keep eight, and then I mean, on the fifty-three, yeah, you're, you're going to have two or three on the, oh, on yes. the practice squad. Oh yes, but maybe someone dumps a player uh, on the final cuts at at a offensive line or guard. Uh, guard, if you're if 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 you're convinced Kelly can be the fourth guy. Yeah. But you need an interior guy and a tight end. Mm-hmm. I'm saying they keep three tight ends. Well, maybe they find somebody, yep. you know, on the waiver wire. It's rare when somebody has a glut at a position because there's just not that many quality, quality players that are like, go. But I could see a lineman or a tight end brought in. I really could. I think defensive line, like, uh, as well, especially the interior is intriguing because R.J. McIntosh and Chris Williams are veterans who had spots last year, especially from time to time, on rosters. And they've just been hurt throughout this camp. 
and they just got back on the field, you know, this week. Is that enough for them to earn a spot on the 53, or do you want to still keep uh, your rookies, guys like Eric Johnson, Curtis Brooks? Um, um, Fedio Denebo has had a pretty good training camp, same with Klein on the outside. Has that been enough to knock a Ben Banigou off? Um, you're, you're, you're certainly not going to say goodbye to, uh, Taekwon Lewis or Dio Odenbo. He's so valuable. Like, yeah, Taekwon, Taekwon is, so is great. He, he's had a really good camp, really good camp. Um, it's another one that, you know, right away that, that something's not good. Uh, getting back to our discussion earlier, just trainer goes out there. is like, yep, you're Patella. It's not, it's, uh, it's not where it's supposed to be. Right. So, uh, anyway, I, I think just the backups in the defensive interior and then the, uh, uh, the offensive line, I just, I just, I just can't see them keeping certainly more than nine, and I think eight is they, much they better. They want to keep nine. I really think they do, I, and I, think and they I do, don't know that they have nine. Yeah, here right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, we could see another late August, early yes. September trade from yes. Chris Ballard, where he gives a like last year, round pick. Got yeah. Matt Pryor exactly, exactly. Yes. and look how valuable Matt Pryor turned out to be for this. And team. that's what you want. Yeah. You you want a Matt Pryor who can come in and play. I think he played three spots last year. Mm-hmm. Played well. Yep. Really so, so again, that's I've always said that the, the cruelest day, the cruelest day is cut day, where you know somebody makes it and he calls home and say, "Mom, I made it, I made it," and then the next day they they let you go because they found somebody better on the waiver wire. So, mm-hmm. and if we found out anything about Chris Ballard, is he's always willing to change the roster, make it better. He doesn't care when it is, or or how you get the guy. So. It's always going to be fluid, and again, like I say, keep in mind a 16-player practice squad, which you 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 can have start accumulating your practice squad on Wednesday, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's a lot of your own guys because you you've worked with them and you know them, and you know we're going to see two or three offensive linemen, two or three defensive linemen, two or three wideouts, corners, hopefully a, couple, a quarterback uh, named Sam Ellinger, probably, <laughs> and a couple of running backs. Yeah. So, uh, and again, with the idea that they were as active as anybody last year in bringing guys up and playing them mm-hmm. on, on game day. So it's, it's really interesting to see how they, they view this and how they handle it. A group of Colts have made the NFL 100. That is an NFL player vote determining the top 100 players in the league. Kenny Moore was the first one to make the list at number 82 overall. DeForest Buckner is the next to show up as they're counting down from 100 to 1 at 66. Quentin Nelson at 26. Um, players 20 through 1 are the only ones left to be announced. They will be announced on Sunday, and we know that there are two Colts remaining in that group. It is Shaquille Leonard and uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and I, I think, Joe, we've, we were just talking about it. Um, Quentin Nelson's the top guard on the list. We don't think there's any other off-ball linebackers like Darius Leonard is. Uh, Michael Parsons is technically still on the list, but he played a good deal of defensive ends. So you got the top guard in the top in the NFL 100. You got the top off-ball linebacker in the NFL 100, and, and it's certainly going to be interesting to see where Jonathan Taylor winds up, uh, especially in relation to Derrick Henry, uh, because well, JT's the reigning NFL rushing champion, but. If Henry was healthy last year, that at least would have been a battle. That if would not, have been fun to watch. Yeah, if not Henry being being the number one. So really intrigued to see uh, where JT ends up on that list. Yeah, I, I, I got to think it's JT just because he's done it more recently. But what would Henry finish, like eighth in rushing And he missed half the season. And he missed half right. the year. So he, he was just on a crazy tear to don't begin you, Don't you season. think if he, if he had played 
he would have won the rushing. I title. think he would have. Yes, because they would have because he was way ahead of Jonathan Taylor when and, he went and out. And he would have run. They would have run him so much more than what Frank did with JT. Yep. Uh, and that's, that's not to, to, to smack JT. No, one of the all time. No, we're not season. one of the the best running or game or season by a running back in Colts history. And they've got some Hall of Famers there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I want to see how building over. I want to see how Henry plays this year. He's coming off foot injury, and at some point, running backs, you see the wall, and it, and, yeah. it, and the wall wins. It always does eventually. Um, but, yeah, good to see Kenny Moore on this list getting his due um, at a uh, nickel, uh, nickel corner making the NFL top Could 100. he take the, like, get a placard? Not just a nickel corner, Kenny, if you're listening. He, he could take a placard and maybe put 82 on it and walk in front of Chris Ballard. Maybe. Do you, you think that would help for contract extension or not? I'm, gra- yeah, I'm, I'm glad that that, I'm really <laughs> glad that that, uh, that uh, storyline has uh, faded very much into the background. It has been a complete non-issue. I think, Kenny, I think Kenny was right yeah. to make his point. Mm-hmm. And That's then, fine. And then he was right to say, okay. To show up. Right. And to practice. Uh, and I, I think, personally, Chris Ballard was right not to extend him because you got two years left on the deal, and that just opens the floodgates. Um, there, there's just so very little you could do, as much as you love Kenny. As Chris has always said, y'all know what I think about Kenny. Uh, he loves him just so, as much as a lot of Colts fans do. Um, but and, and, it's they just paid, not, and they paid him early. Yep, man. It's just not the time to do it. Um, yeah. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at HancockRegional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. The Colts and the Lions met each other last weekend inside Lucas Oil Stadium. It was a one-point Lions victory Saturday afternoon, 27-26. But uh, out of all these storylines that that I thought were interesting, uh, we'll get to Ellinger, and we've touched on him uh, already in this podcast. But um, the battle between Des Patman and Mike Strawn was really very much on display in this game. I don't know exactly how many wide receivers the Colts are going to take, but the top four spots are entrenched. Pittman, Campbell, Alec Pierce, Ashton Doolin. Those guys are making the roster. Those are your top four wide receivers. After that, there's really a group of four, four other guys battling for one or two spots. It is Strawn and Patman and then Kiki Kuti, who's been out there on a lot of kick returns. He shows you some value there in the return game. And then DeMichael Harris, who's been injured for a lot of camp but also has that uh, value uh, through, uh, through kick returns as well. Um, Mike Strawn, guys, is the most intriguing of, of all these prospects just because he's on, he's on the all-airport team, which is how I've heard, heard it referred to all the time. But when your team is getting off the bus or your team is walking through the airport, th- those are the guys that make people turn heads. They're the ones you put in front of the line yes. as you're getting off. Mike Strawn makes people turn heads right. because he is a physical specimen he is big. He is strong. He is fast. Chap, Chris Ballard, no, sorry, it was Frank Reich last year who just admitted Strawn was not ready to play Correct. in spite of a very good and head-turning preseason. I wonder if he is ready to play, at least in a partial role, and that earns him a spot on the 53 this year. I think so. if I had to pick one or the other, I'd pick Strawn. 
keep in mind, he missed the first three weeks of camp, I believe it was. And he's clear because he had he had knee procedure. And we have said, and, and I still stand by it, that his injury this offseason was really bad for him. Sure. Because like, he could have developed a lot more because I don't think he did anything throughout the entire offseason program. And then the first three weeks of training camp as well. So it was still bad. If he makes the roster, like that, that's a really, really significant step forward for him. Well, because I thought, and we talked to him about that, about, you know, did you see time passing you by? And he said, well, sort of. Well, the thing is, that worked in his favor is no, none of those guys you mentioned stepped up. Yeah. Uh, Patman had a very, very quiet uh, camp. Kiki, uh, he got hurt. Was it against Buffalo or was it against uh I thought Detroit? it was against Buffalo. Because, it may have been. Yeah, yeah, so so he misses time. So it's not like he came back and, boy, I've got so much space to pick up on, on the gap between the other guys. Right. And then he comes off, off Papa and he's just playing. Yep. They threw him out there, and he, he had a good three days, two against the Lions, and then the game wasn't too big for him on, on Saturday night. So I, I, I think he would be your – if, if I'm putting these guys in a pecking order, he's five and Patman is six. Patman had the big play, the, the 50-yard touchdown, mm-hmm. which he got he behind. He fell backwards. He, he's, uh, he's, man, I was backpedaling <laughs> 10 yards. Yeah. And what's funny is, is – it will bring up Sam again and they and how he's worked with Tom House and he has a stronger arm and this, that, and the other. Well, he, he, he underthrew Patman on the play. He was rolling out to like the opposite side, to his left oh, side. So you're gonna defend him his, now. I'm just saying, I'm throwing out <laughs> I'm throwing all the information out there. Right. So but again, th- these are the tough decisions. And until Ogletree went down, I thought they kept five receivers. Because keep in mind, Naheem Hines is sort of He's got a chair in a both wide rooms. Receiver, right? He's got a chair in both rooms. Yep. So I mean, he's still a running. Look, look, he's still a running back. I mean, he he he's he's not. Let's it, not it, take it that far. Right. But he's going to get a ton of work, and that does sort of ease your concerns at receiver a little. Although I don't, I still think with the injury, barring any 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 additions through waivers or whatever, that you keep. Three tight ends and, and six wideouts, and I think Strawn and Patman both both make it. Patman caught five of six targets against the Lions, 103 yards and a touchdown. Strawn caught all three of his targets, 45 yards and a touchdown. Joe, that, that Strawn touchdown, it was funny. Watching it live, I thought it was offensive pass interference, but then you saw the replay, and like Strawn, I thought, played it really well when I saw the replay because he just had his arm out, like his forearm out, which you're allowed to do. Just watching it live... I thought that the defender was so far away. I was like, Strawn must have just pushed off with his whole arm. No, Strawn's just big enough that his only his forearm out there gave him a significant amount of room against that cornerback. He was able to go up and make a nice catch in the back of the end zone. Yeah, Megastron is what they're calling That's him. That's right. That. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the thing. That's I love the name. That. I've been all about him since they drafted him and I well because that's when I learned about him. Right. You're like, um, who is this guy? But he's extremely athletic. He's got a higher ceiling than Patman. Uh, does Patman play on um, kick coverage? Does he? I'm offer? not sure either. Well, he, neither, neither one's played much of anything. Okay, on uh, special teams. Right, right. So they're not it, getting it, much but, special but, team. But out. they need to. Yeah, that fifth and sixth receiver needs to play special teams. Right, Bub is going to be in the ear of Ballard oh. and Frank Reich saying, "Help! If you're going to keep this guy, right, I, I need him. Yeah, he needs to be able to do something for me." Yeah, exactly. And so I, I was wondering if that would play a role. But if neither really plays on kick coverage, but they have to. Yeah, they're going. They, to they have. To. They have to. And and if they don't play at a high enough level, then then that, like you mentioned, decision. it diminishes your special teams value. Yep. yep. Hundred percent. 
So we'll just have to see on that. Mike, I like uh, your note that you tweeted out. Patman was the first Colt to have 100 receiving yards in a preseason game. Since, since Reggie. Since Woo! Reggie Wayne in 2011. I was like, what was Reggie Wayne doing out there in 2011? With, with who was the quarterback? That would have been Painter, right? Because yeah, I, I text Reggie. I said, congratulations. He said, who was the quarterback, Painter? I said, sadly. Yeah. Sadly. <laughs> I almost said Orlovsky, but that came a little later in the year. But, yeah, that, that was a very entertaining preseason game. Did either of you guys watch the Hard Knocks? I didn't know. Yeah. I watched it last night. You would have thought the Lions won the Super Bowl. Of course. And I get it. Dan Campbell's trying to change the culture and kind of switch things from being a a losing team for so long. But I was like, my gosh, you would have thought the Lions just absolutely steamrolled us and won by one point. So, um, but, but if you're interested in watching from a Colts perspective, don't. There's nothing really in there. It's the about, miracle of television. Yeah, it's just all all lions, which is you know what the focus is anyway. My favorite part, of course, you guys might already know what I'm going to say, or maybe some of Your our boy. fans, yes, uh, <laughs> or out there are going to know what I'm going to say is what the NFL tweeted out, just the little video of my boy Zaire Franklin. Who's he John with? Uh, uh, Jamal Williams. Yeah, Jamal battling Jamal Williams a couple times and winning rep after rep after rep against him. And then I think he did have the jersey on the one. Well, uh, no, I didn't see a flag. Okay, there there was no flag out there on the field. But let, let's 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 I not. Think, throw I think he did win the two. Yes. pass rush drills. But I, I thought it was hilarious that Zaire after after that play in particular, when Williams is all upset, just takes the ball and punts it. Like, <laughs> obviously, that would have been a fifteen yard penalty in a game. But man, like I almost died laughing when I saw him doing that. <laughs> And then Williams is all, all upset. Zaire tweets out, man, uh, saying that you, you, what back. a bum running back. Or say <laughs> he, he's celebrating like he won the Super Bowl after losing three reps. Uh, ha- have fun crying during another losing season. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Zaire coming off the top rope on this guy. We did interview Zaire, actually, this week. Um, our Chris Whitlick sat down with him one-on-one, asked him about this whole back and forth. That's going to be on our Blue Zone pregame show Saturday night, 7 o'clock, leading into kickoff at 7.30. So if you're interested in what's more that Zaire had to say, check that out. But that was I thought that was awesome. It was hilarious. And, of course, it's my guy. So, so I loved it. I oh, love yeah. the John. You gotta love that attitude, especially you know, dog days of summer. It's training yeah. camp. You're finally going against someone other than your teammate. You're gonna get a little intense out there. Yes. So that was awesome. Uh, a couple other things from uh, that Colts Lions game. There was some iffy line play, both sides of the ball. Joe, you bring up the Detroit rushed for 174 yards. The Colts only rushed for 30. If that happened during the regular season, it would spell disaster. With the entire second units out there, you can be like. Okay, and that goes to our point we were saying earlier that the Colts really don't have a full second unit on the offensive line at all. But uh, also, uh, I, I think, Chap, that th- this year the Colts might be giving up some more rushing yards than they have in the recent past under Matt Eberflus. It just doesn't seem to be as much of a focus in Gus Bradley's system as stopping the run. As The Colts have been top 10 in the league the last, I think, four seasons in stopping the run. But not 174. No, no. We that, talked that would be bad. We talked to Nate Ali about that, about how – this might be one of the better starting defensive lines this team's had, and maybe depth-wise too. If if you ha- if Taekwon can be the backup and and Dio and Afidi, then you're you're in pretty darn good shape. But he said, but 174, you can't rush the passer. You're never going to be rushing the passer, right? But I, I, I guess you look at well, but the Colts had their backups out there and all that. Well, 
So Detroit. the Lions. So yeah. Detroit. Good I point. mean, it, it was a level point. playing field. And somebody pointed out that the Colts have had 30 yards rushing. They never run the ball in preseason. I can remember back when Chuck would say, yeah, we're going to really work on the running game, and they average 2.1. Yeah, okay. So, and when the fact that you, you, you're you not playing Taylor at all and and Hines isn't going to play this week, so it, it's it's so hard to get a gauge on this running game. All I know is that the kid rushed for 1,800 yards, and they were, what were the Colts, fourth or fifth, whatever they finished last year, and, and they've been pretty much top 10 with Taylor. Uh, but yeah, 174 you can't do. You, you just can't get gouged like that because you can't do other things you want to do. Right. Uh, so I'm not overly concerned. What, what they're looking for, like with the offensive line, you're not looking for a a, 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 a backup line. You're looking for two or three guys that can do what you need to have done. And, and as we talked, finding some interior depth is important. Uh, are, are you concerned at all that, like last year, the Colts needed to go out and they needed to trade for Matt Pryor? This year, it, it looks like they might do the same thing again. Like, it, there's not a, a wealth of talent there. Maybe it's just the fact that there, there's positions every year that you're going to have that you're not going to be perfect at. But just just for two years in a row, it looks like the, the Colts have offensive line depth issues. That the young guys that they've either drafted or have had in practice squad haven't developed the way that they have thought. Is that concerning at all, or is just is that just a cost of doing business? Do you think at this point? Some of it's a cost of doing business because let, let's keep in mind they went out and got an edge pass rusher, uh, an elite corner. Yeah, uh, they got depth with Rodney McLeod. And and Brandon, Brandon Faison may be a starter, so I think it. Whenever you whenever you get so much done, there's always something else you didn't do. Uh, they did sign Kelly. They did sign Jason Spriggs, which that didn't work. That's gone. Yeah, he was uh, not. And Berthard Ryman, I they like him. They like him. Uh, we we finally noticed this this week, and we tend to make a lot out of things, but it finally. Uh, Kevin Strasser, the position coach, offensive line coach, switched up team reps uh, briefly, but they put Ryman at left tackle, and they it, and, and then they did stuff I thought was strange. They put Braden Smith at right guard and Pryor at right tackle, so they messed up three positions instead of leaving, you know, Braden at right tackle, and then putting Pryor, I suppose, at uh, uh, right guard. And then this game, this game Saturday too. You're not going to have uh, Ryan, Ryan Kelly. Kelly. Yep, uh, out with COVID, third time on the COVID list, by mm -hmm. the way. Uh, and that means Danny Pinner's inside at, at center. So yeah, I, I, I won't be shocked. Wasn't Pryor late August? When did they get I him? Thought last so. year? I thought it was late August. I didn't think it was into September. I, I think, don't think so either. I thought it was before the cut to fifty three. And, and it's a guy that Frank knew. Yep. So yeah, I. I I'd, I would be totally on board with that, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I would hope it's a an interior guy because I, I I really think there's not a super big gap between Matt Pryor and Bernhard Ryman. I think Ryman has a ton of upside. Although we talked to Frank maybe it was about ten days ago, and, and he sort of indicated that you better be darn sure your rookie left tackle is ready. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he made it sound like, you know, that, that's a position where you don't want to have oops because mm -hmm. yeah. they're going to get beat anyway. You know, even the best tackles get beat yep. occasionally. You don't want the, the left tackle totally botching an assignment and getting your quarterback smothered. It has to be glaring obvious that he's better than the and current it's, and, it's, and that's not the case yet. Yeah, right. and speaking of the depth on the line, let's remember that 
two starters on the line last year. They let Walk and Fisher and um, Glowinski, and they just replaced them with Chris, existing depth. Uh, Chris Reed, too. And Chris Reed. Yeah. And they just Chris replaced them with the existing team. depth, which is going to take away from your yeah. depth going into this year. Yep. So uh, hopefully they'll be I, – I really have a strong feeling they'll either pick up somebody who's cut or make one of these trades. Prior was traded on – August 31st of last year. Yeah, so there's we, still we some right, time here. Right right at the end of August. And, and that's where a team knows they're either going to cut the guy or maybe we can get a, what was it, a six? Six uh, round pick for I him? think so. it was. If the Eagles had, they, they had the other guy, Jordan Mailata, really developed into their starting left tackle. And Andre Diller, they drafted really high, and they, they still wanted to see what he he could do. So they, they had a, a wealth there of of, of, of guys uh, at and, yeah. and, and of course, tackle. Lane Johnson on the, on the other, other side. side. So you don't want to do anything at right tackle. It's like who cares? So yeah, we can get so we can get a sixth round pick for this guy. All right. Listen, and if I'm, six, if I'm Chris way. Ballard, yeah. I'll, I'm going to give up a six or a seven. Yeah, yeah. that's fine All for day. a guy for a guy that's played X number of years mm-hmm. and and has has done it. So I we'll see. I, I won't be surprised like you, Joe, if that happens. Yeah. Um, another thing I love from this game, Nick Cross looks great. I mean, I think he he looks ready to start. We right see now. it every day in practice. Yep. He can pl- kid can play. He's twenty. I've got a grandson older than that for crying out loud. <laughs> what was it? Was it here? Was it on this show? What we we made that point, or was it somewhere else? That like uh, the, he's going to go out and celebrate his twenty first birthday <laughs> the night before. It, yeah, the night before it wasn't it the was, show. Wasn't, okay, yeah. okay. Then, then we don't have to do that again. Okay, okay. We, we we've made that. I joke. would put somebody next to him and say, "Son, if <laughs> you're, you're going out, you're going to have a, you're going to have a couple of sprites and uh-huh. some chicken wings, and that's it." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm so eager to see what he does this year. Yeah. Y'all know how much I love safeties. Him and Julian Blackman are. are I love watching them play. That, God, he's at another good camp. I mean, yep. Julian Blackman, he's, he just makes plays. He covers ground. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a, a nice pairing. And you know, we, we, we we wondered how they were going to replace Kari. Yeah, Car- right when Kari returns, was not, like, what are we doing? He, he wasn't just a, a scrub. He was a, no. good pl- a good player. Yeah. And uh, the, obviously they knew what they were doing. They knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. They did they may have taken Nick Cross anyway, but they they had to know at the time that what was coming with Kahari. And they might not have signed Rodney McLeod if they that knew could what be, was that coming. could be true. Yeah. That could be true. But to have young players like this, and you're going to have them on your rookie contract for three or four years. That's just huge. Uh, other players who had a pretty good day: Dio Dangbo finally showing up, doing something, getting two sacks against the Lions. Uh, Ifadi Odenibo uh, had a sack and three quarterback hits. Okay. Okay. Pause. Pronounce him again for oh, me. Oh, Denny Bo is how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, I don't one. know. I honestly am not sure on the first name. No, no. Uh, uh, oh, Denny oh, Bo. But uh, Dio. Dio Odangbo. Oh, Dang. I'm going to tell our people on Bo. on the desk when I send in stories. Make sure I've got the right one. But my auto, it's going to kill my auto. It is completely. It's going to kill it. Like these two, yeah. These two names are are They're, too similar and too not. "Quote unquote, not normal." Don't take that for anything more no, than it actually than, is. Uh, to yes, to have the guys on the same roster and screw up Mike Chapel on yeah, a weekly. They basis. are going to make the roster. <laughs> yeah, they're, they I will. Think they will. Yep. Yeah, yep. We'll, we'll see if Banigu does or doesn't. I mean, he's kind of the. These guys have played their role. Odenibo has played on. He's played his way onto the roster. He has, yeah. no doubt. Cornerback uh, Tony Brown had a pretty good day, wearing number thirty-eight instead of thirty-four. Like he tried to screw up Mike Chapel uh, in in practice today, but they just they just mess with it. Like us. stop, guys. Golly. I don't know. 
Uh, two passes defended, six total tackles, one tackle for loss. Did give up a touchdown, but I think he might become the fifth corner. I think the, the, what he does is he can go inside, too. And, mm-hmm. and you, like, you like to have, again, that versatility um, for, for guys who are on the back end of that roster. And he has been a special teams guy in the past. He's got speed for days, yep, which... I w- would not be surprised if he is there. I think Dallas Flowers had a pretty good camp, too, as an undrafted rookie. But I think Tony, uh, Tony Brown is just ahead in the pecking order there uh, when it comes down to it. And they might be able to keep Flowers on the practice squad. Yeah, I think they will. I, I, I think, again, you're going to see of the 16 pra- spots on the practice squad, maybe 12 of them are guys you bring back. Because, right. because they have so much more value to you than maybe other teams. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how they handle the practice squad and how many of these guys come back because a lot of them, you, you see value in how they add to the depth at certain positions. What would you call a great health system just a few minutes down the road from Indianapolis where you can see some of the area's top doctors and healthcare teams in great facilities, including one of the safest hospitals in America, and maybe even save a buck or two on your health care? We call it Hancock Health. So if you're looking for smart, safer, affordable care, head east to Hancock Health, where we're making health possible for the people of East Central Indiana and beyond. What else has stood out from practice this week? Uh, Chap, you mentioned the Ryan Kelly news, that the Colts are not going to be without their starting Pro Bowl center. Uh, Danny Pinner will slide over there for this game. And I imagine it's going to be Will Fries. That's what we've seen uh, fill in at, uh, right, at right guard, guard there. And so, um, and it's trial by fire. I mean, if you you're protecting Matt Ryan there, it's not it's no scrub back there that that you're trying to keep clean. Um, get out there, keep him safe as it would be in the regular season against a menacing Buccaneers defensive line. We just saw it last year. It was one of the best in the league. And then they added Akeem Hicks from yeah. the Bears, who went healthy as a stud out mm-hmm. there. And the Bucks have already said that they're going to start all their players who are healthy. Yep, all their healthy players, including Tom Brady. So how about that? Yeah. One more, once more into the breach, dear friends. <laughs> Tom Brady coming to Lucas Oil Stadium. This very well, very well might be the last time Colts fans see Tom Brady here in Indianapolis. One more chance to boo. Exactly. That, uh, get, it, get it out. Get there and warm up the lungs and make sure he knows that you're there. Like The, the, the way I, th- I feel a lot of people feel about Tom Brady is, um, is the line from Anchorman that Vince Vaughn has uh, when uh, Ron Burgundy, uh, Will Ferrell, is climbing out of the, the bear pit and he's got the ladder and he's threatening to push like, him back in. He's like, exactly. He's like, I hate you with every fiber of my being. But I do respect you. <laughs> yeah. Kiss him on the forehead and lets him out eventually. Like that's that is how so many people here feel about Tom Brady. And I know there's a good swell of people who, who do not have any respect for him because of the multiple times he's been to, in but trouble. You have to. I know, I know. And I'm I'm there with you, chap. But I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that, that other that other view is out there as well, that there isn't even that level of respect. But I I, I this this will be whether you have it or not. There is not a Colts fan who who likes Tom Brady, and, and so this will be one final not a time. True Colts to, fan, yes, no, exactly. There'll be there'll <laughs> the be one, claim both. You're no, not in either party. It'll be one final time to be able to, like you said, uh, boo him and make make him know, make him well aware of your uh, your opinion of his. Probably abilities. won't be a video tribute. I don't think there'll be a video <laughs> tribute to Tom Brady. They could do that, and like Ursay could could have all the times when when bad things happen to him. Yeah, there you go. That'd be funny. The Marlon Jackson. The, the last one would be yes. Marlon. But, but there were a lot of times Freddie and Mathis got him. And, mm-hmm. 
you know, Peyton went to Foxborough and beat him 40 to 21. And, and here's the deal. You could do that in a preseason game because sure, I, would be, I would be terrified to do that in a regular season game because that would just tick him off. Yeah. And that you don't want to play against an upset, mad at you, Tom Brady. Like, Could you imagine it, social media if they did that? Oh, it, w- it would yeah. explode. I, 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 cool. I hope they do. I do. That'd be that'd fantastic. Be that'd be fun. Yes, that'd be amazing if we if we could make. But that but happen. again, you're right. He's a guy that you hate, uh, but you've got to respect what he's done, how long he's done it, the level he's done it. And it'll be amazing. a great test for a defense. You know, a, a new yeah. team, a new defense going against one of the best. Um, very talented offense. I know Chris Godwin's still working his way back, but Mike Evans is out there. Um, Julio Jones is out there. They got some. They got some good players on that offensive side of the ball. So, in terms of the actual game, it'll be a great test to kind of see where exactly ones on you ones, are. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, going in. Is there anything you've seen? Any trend you guys have noticed in training camp recently that you either hope continues into this preseason game as a sign that it's for real, or hope ends like? Mike, I know you wrote the story yesterday that Alec Pierce's development is pretty obvious. He's coming along. Reggie Wayne is happy about that. Um, what are you looking for for him or anyone else who's stuck out in training camp that is kind of trying to prove themselves? Yeah, I, I think I, I'm convinced the game's not too big for Alec Pierce. I mean, not that there was a, a, a concern of that, but he's play, he, he's, his game is, is eons further along than it was in, in OTAs and minicamp. And one thing that you just can't ignore is as much as Frank likes to spread the ball around on offense and have, you know, a zillion. They had, was it targets for 20 players against Detroit, which was which was crazy. Yeah. But if he stays healthy, Michael Pittman's going to catch, I don't know, start at 100. Yeah, start there. I mean, start at, start at 100. Uh, he's probably caught 40% of Ryan's passes in teamwork. You're saying I should draft him in my fantasy league. That would not be a bad decision, based on what we have seen in training camp. And it's not so much that they're just forcing him the ball. It's just that, like, Peyton, we always ask Peyton, well, how, you know, how do you know who you're going to throw to in games? He said, well, the, I throw to the guys that are open in practice. Yeah. You know, so that you start there. And it, it's it's some deep stuff, but it's over, it's those quick slants over the it's middle. over the middle all they, the time. They love that bubble screen to him. Yep. And I just... If Ryan throws 35 passes, Pittman's going to get nine or ten targets. He just is. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. I like the way they've used Naheem. He's he's all over the place. Uh, Nick Cross we talked about. I like the way Jelani Woods has sort of come back because mm-hmm. he really has to play now with, with Ogletree out. And he's stepped up since Ogletree yes, that's, got Yes, that's hurt. what I'm saying. I, I don't know whether there was – at the time, I didn't know whether Ogletree had passed him or or Woods had kind of regressed. I think it was more as much Woods as it was Ogletree, but and he looks better. Granson, I don't know if he's a tease. I, I don't know. He's catching a lot of balls, and then darn it, he just has a drop or two. Mm-hmm. That and, was what Eric Ebron did well, for an entire I, year, and he caught like eighteen touchdowns. And Frank said he's fine with it. Yep. They're fine with, well, I mean, fine, a, a, quote an, unquote. Occasion, an occasional drop, as long as you're productive. Yeah. You know, people thought that, that Ebron quit dropping the ball that year. No, he didn't. No, he did he, the he entire just, year. He just, it, it was probably. The, but you lived with it. Correct. It's correct. Yeah. So that, that's, that's it's, it's interesting. And, and then I was kind of pleased that we were reinforced that Stefan Gilmore is still a player. Yeah. Holy goodness. smokes. 
Uh, and it's been so valuable to have Gilmore so much of the time locked up on Pierce. Pierce, I mean... That's it, probably helped him so oh, much. No, no question. I, I'm not going to say he's not going to see a, a, a corner better than him this year, but he's ready for whatever... He's going to see a lot of corners who aren't as aren't good. As good ex- exactly. Yes. And, and, I th- and again, knock on wood, Paris Campbell stayed healthy. By and large, has played well. You know, he had at least a drop or whatever it was at Buffalo. But was he dealing with a hamstring or something? One day. And, and everybody's, everybody's, you know, antenna went up because, you know, there yeah. he is. But he missed one day. So, again, I, I, I'm encouraged. We talked to Reich and, and Ryan today, and, and it was it's, – it's funny. We try not to mention certain player whenever we're talking. And but Frank is so high on what Ryan brings to the team as a leader, fifteen years and all this, and I'll take him in his word. But he just said this guy's got another level. He lifts guys around him, and we'll see. I've said from the start: if Ryan works, this is a good team. It is. And if he if if he struggles for whatever reason, pass protection, whatever, then it's going to be tough. Because they're not as good as this roster is. You're only as good as your quarterback. They're they're not so strong everywhere else that they can overcome poor quarterback play. Joe asks, uh, "What are you looking for?" And Mike uh, says, "Every player on the 53 man roster." It just goes <laughs> and names them one after the other. Yeah. Right there, just, just pointing yeah. that out. Well, we won't be seeing Hines or JT, <laughs> correct, or Quiddy Pay in this right. one. Right. Yeah. Uh, but just about everybody else. Uh, Isaiah Rogers won't play. Right. He's concussion. Still in concussion protocol. He's been there for a couple weeks. Well, you is, got the maybe you're not hurrying him back. Yeah. But yeah. Just, just let him wait because we kind of that came to the conclusion things, that Faison yeah. kind of won that number. He's been out there with the ones more. Yep. Yeah. So Faison's your uh, second starter on the outside. Isaiah Rogers is somebody who can kind of just fill in wherever needed at the and quarterback position. Gosh, he makes plays. Have you seen? It? Has he played in the slot at all? Is that something you've seen him be able to do? I've not noticed that. Okay, so he's mostly an outside guy. Uh, might be a little out of position if you try and put. I'll him tell inside. you one thing that you've seen more and more is EJ Speed's playing well as that third linebacker. They don't use three linebackers very much. Mm-mm. Well, I'm telling you, they're they're in they're in some sub package, and I mentioned this maybe last week, and I'll Riley Riley come up again with with Leonard being out. And he's one he's one of your best players. He just is. But give me the choice, and I'll take. I'll take Ngakwe, I'll take Stefan Gilmore, and I'll take Buck. Not losing those guys before losing Leonard. I think they're better equipped with this roster. Okariki's playing well, and oh, and okay. your guy is playing well. So my guy. But but they need they need Shaq back. But but Zaire. the other guys are so valuable to what they try to do. And with. You know, feeling so good about those other linebackers probably makes him more comfortable to let Shaq really take his time coming back. Do you think there – it sounded – you know, I was reading some of the quotes from Wright about putting him on pup or not. You know, you'd have to miss – Well, leave, leave him on pup, but, but for the regular season. For the regular season, right. he'd have to miss not only the first four games, but all those practices And then he can't well. practice. Can't practice. Exactly. Can't yeah. practice at all. That was Frank's all. point. And he was talking about maybe if he does miss four games, but you bring him back to practice two weeks beforehand, he needs some practice time to be able to ready to play. So they might not put him on pup just for that reason, but he could still miss several games. 
I think he's going to miss several. I think he's going to yeah. miss a few games. But, but but your points, and that that's was Frank's point. You need to get him off pup so he can practice. And let, let's say they take him off pup next week. Then he's got a week, and then maybe let's say two more weeks. But at least he's practicing. Yeah. And if you're on pup, you know you're on pup. Then, then the window opens after four games. He hasn't practiced since the Friday before Jacksonville in a new defense. So. That's Frank's point is get him out there practicing. And, and I assume it wouldn't be a big issue to, for him to clear physical. Te- teams do it. You can make it happen. You, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. How you, feel, you know, can you touch your toes? Can, you know, can you, whatever. But I, I, I really think they'll, they'll activate him and then he won't play for maybe Tennessee, maybe Kansas City. I don't know. Maybe to that point, if they do leave him on pup. He probably won't be back till week six. Yeah, I, I don't think I he's going to be I on think pup. That's, I think that's very realistic. If, if he's on pup, week six. Yeah. I, but I also don't think he's going to be on pup. I, I could be no. wrong on that. Maybe I'm just leaning that way. I'm just leaning that way. Because that's the one thing about the, the rules, the, the few changes is if you're on pup or IR, it's four weeks. Mm-hmm. And it used to be pup used to be six weeks. It used to be six. IR that, used to be eight at one point. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. He could, like only bring back even just like one or two guys. It's more. It's, is it four or six, eight? It's a big number you can bring off of yeah, IR. Yeah. Uh, back in the day when I did this a long time ago, it was it, it was four it was four games, but you could bring unlimited people back. So you basically stash people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's a really interesting decision they make, and it'll tell us so much about where. To me, if they leave him on pup. In their minds, it's really an extended time he's going to be off. Yeah, right. I mean, I, don't you think that it because it, it tells you these, that he's it means really he's nowhere re- close. He's no, maybe that's extreme, but I know what. You, but he's not close to practicing. Yeah, and that's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Anything? Obviously, we're going to be looking at the wide receivers, Alec Pierce. Um, maybe that linebacker battle we've talked about. Doman, Weatherford, Ryan seems very much in the mix. Maybe. You know, uh, whoever plays the best, it seems pretty close. Maybe whoever plays the best this game, or if someone really has a really well, which bad one game. plays better on special teams? Yeah, special teams yep. as well. They they, they did kind of get gashed a bit on special teams against the Lions, and Bubble was asked about that. He's like, they got young guys out there, and they're they're learning the hard way, uh, and it's true. Like they they haven't had that those young guys uh on special teams for the last 4 years since they had a Matt Adams and a George Odom out there and they were coaching them all up there well they're coaching them all up again they don't have that same experience they need guys there like i said earlier in our discussion of uh, And is Ashton Newland like you said does he does see he less time because Yeah because they're definitely going to use him on offense that's right. for sure i think he'll still be out there as a gunner i really do like i don't think you use your fourth wide receiver enough to say that he can't be a gunner Correct. on special teams so i think he'll still be out there but nevertheless that's that's one guy uh you you, you need 10 others to Correct. to make those units work well it takes one guy to mess up and right. you get gashed yep Saturday, 7.30 p.m. inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Watch on CBS4 here in Indianapolis. The Colts take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Could very well likely be Tom Brady's last trip to Indianapolis in his professional playing NFL career. Because he may come here to vacation. He might come here to vacation. (laughs) 
you, he'll, he might come back in the booth with the Fox booth True. if there's a if there's a situation calls for it uh, in the future as he joins uh, Fox Sports as a NFL broadcaster when he finally does decide to retire years and years from now. So certainly won't put it past Tom to to keep his career going and, and play here again. But uh, as of right now, you just never know. That could be the final time. So we hope you'll join us then. We do appreciate you joining us now for our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Mike Chapel is at mchapel 51 Read all his work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com, following the Colts throughout the preseason training camp and, of course, into the regular season. Joe Hopkins is at Rota Street Joe. I am Dave Griffiths at DaveG underscore sports. We appreciate you listening. One more preseason game to go before things get real. And we'll talk all about it in future episodes of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. <laughs> <laughs>